Coming off of a six-game win streak, the Suns are back at home on Monday night to take on the Utah Jazz, the first of a doubleheader this week against the presumptive three-seed in the Western Conference. We'll break the Pacers' win down. We'll break the Jazz game coming up, down, all of it in just a sec on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. I'm also a contributor at suns.com as well as Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every day. Happy Monday. Thank you for finding us on YouTube, helping to grow that channel, and of course, on your favorite podcast platform as well. We are everywhere, and we are free, and the best way to keep us that way is to keep listening keep watching and to subscribe if you like what you are hearing. Thank you again. Your first listen every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And it's perfect time to check back in. Hope everybody enjoyed the weekend. The football was insane and very, very good. Uh, But basketball is about to take center stage. Football is wrapping up. So the sun stretch run is upon us. We have the trade deadline in the not too distant future. But today is just going to be a nice breakdown of some games. So The Suns on Saturday night returned home after that five-game road trip to host the Pacers, the second time they'd played Indiana in a little while here. Um, One of those basically started last season where teams will play each other very close together, more consistently it feels like. So the Pacers, after uh, the Suns went to Indiana, the Pacers came here. And no surprise, team well below 500. The Suns were able to take care of business. Double-digit win, 113 to 103. And a couple of observations that I want to get to here. One is in the backcourt. One is in the front court. Uh, you might know where I'm going there. Um, but let's start with the backcourt. Let's start with Chris Paul, who had 18 points, 16 assists, and four steals in this game. Four turnovers, but when you have a 4-1 to turnover, assist-to-turnover ratio, I think it's all right to give up the four turnovers personally. Maybe you disagree, but I personally feel like you can turn the ball over uh, quite a bit if you're going to also do the 16 assists. But it was uh, it was another game for Chris where you start to feel like maybe his aggressiveness is coming back. And I don't want to overstate things. I don't want to jump to any conclusions from one game. But the reality is it's been more than one game. And that's part of why I want to talk about it. So Chris has had double-digit points in now uh, six straight games. Each of these wins um, in this win streak have come with Chris scoring in double digits. He has also taken double-digit shots, which maybe those things don't sound too impressive at face value, but it's not been a regular occurrence. He's had a game this year where he took just five shots. He's had a game this year where he took just four shots. Most recently, on January 2nd, in the win against Charlotte, he only had six shot attempts, So, and that's with all sorts of different minute totals. He, he's just had a lot of games this year where he hasn't had to be aggressive. In that Hornets game, for instance, you might remember, he had 16 assists in that one as well, so he didn't really have to take the shots. But the reality is uh, that aggressiveness has been there a little bit more lately. He's also taking more threes again, which... Again, not always the case this year for him. He's only shooting 32% from deep. So uh, I don't you know, necessarily, again, want to predict that this is the beginning of, of some new era for Chris Paul this season or anything 
ridiculous like that. But I do think you just look um, the past three games. He's had a double-double. He's had at least 15 points and 10 assists in the past three straight games. He's taken at least two three-pointers in each of those games. And he shot better than 50% from the field in each of those games. So all, obviously also all wins. Against the Pacers, you know, they typically would have had TJ McConnell guarding Chris Paul or, I mean, any number of players. They are extremely shorthanded. Justin Holiday would have been another option, but they were stretched pretty thin. They had Torrey Craig starting the game. They had Kiefer Sykes, who's a guy that most people probably in the world did not even know was in the NBA or on the Pacers because he just joined them recently after a COVID uh, 10-day. And so he's there. It was uh, it was obviously not the type of matchup that really tests you. But at the same time, Chris has not necessarily done that this year. So I guess the point here really more than anything is to take note of what Chris Paul is doing and to consider that this may be the beginning of him turning the switch on a little bit, right? This year has been extremely patient for him. The aggressiveness has not always been there. His usage rate this season is 19.4%, which would be by far the lowest of his career. He had a season in 2010-2011 where it was 21.1. That's the previous low if this were to hold. So he is just not really needing to do that. And the Suns are still the best team in the West. But there's also the reality that come playoff time, they are going to need the version of Chris Paul who can go into Staples Center in a game six in the conference finals and put up 40 points. You know, they need that player. And so this might be the rounding into form that we knew would come. We might be seeing the beginning of it. We might be seeing that Chris is going to take the last 30 or so games of this year and take that opportunity to be a scorer more consistently, to look to create for himself and, and punish switches and get to that mid-range shot and do all the things that we know Chris Paul to do, but do them more consistently and more aggressively. That's that's really it. I mean, this Pacers game was a continuation of that trend, but with such an, an impressive stat line. I mean, 18 points, 16 assists on 8 of 11 shooting. That is a vintage Chris Paul type of box score line. And so hopefully we do get to see more of that. And he does use this time to get to be the version of himself that we all know he's going to need to be if the Suns are going to win a title. The other part of the recipe for a win on Saturday night in Phoenix here was Bismack Biombo also notching a double-double. And more so even than that, the five assists. Five assists. So he, he matched his career high in points and he set a new career high in assists. So I want to break down all of it. We have to break down all of it. And we'll do that right after a quick word from Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Well, that's easy. It's a business scam that is designed to allow greedy corporations to pocket your money, download, uh, keep your email address, and take that money straight from you. Download Truebill, though, to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want, need, or simply just forgot about. Companies love to make it hard to cancel the subscriptions that you sign up for. They might just ding your bank account without even telling you. They might not even let you know that you ever signed up for anything. And the minute they get your bank or the minute they get your email account, you are suddenly on a list and then they're going to ask you to pay and then they're going to keep charging you without telling you. You know the spiral, you know the cycle. And Truebill aims to cut it 
right out. Your Truebill Concierge helps you keep track of those subscriptions, reminds you about ones that you are not taking advantage of, and helps you cancel them once you decide to do so. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar, of course, that tastes just like a candy bar or potentially even better. You want to eat healthy. We all want to eat healthy, especially in the new year, but it can get boring. By maybe week three, week four, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's my regular chocolate? Where's the candy stash? But Built Bar can help solve that problem. Here's an idea. For the new year, go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. That will help you keep what you are trying to do up because they're delicious. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're packed with protein and they have flavors for everybody. They really do taste good. They don't make it difficult. You're not you know, forcing it down your palate and dealing with it and, you know, chugging water afterward. No, Built Bar is actually, actually good and enjoyable and tasty and all that good stuff. So go to Built.com, peruse their offering. Check out the raspberry, check out the salted caramel, find the one that speaks to you and use the promo code LOCK15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Bismack Biombo, 30 minutes 21 points, 13 rebounds, and 5 assists in a win against the Pacers on Saturday night. Could not seem more comfortable right now in Phoenix with this group than he does. Uh, Fortunately, JaVale McGee was also much, much better in this one as well. 13, 12, and 3 for him. So want to shout that out. 3 in the block category, not the assist category. And that's where we'll start with Mr. Biombo because that is the Obviously, for a center, a guy that we don't think of as being very coordinated, he had this perception heading into his time with Phoenix that I completely have been uh, surprised to see how wrong it's felt, but it was not an athlete, not very coordinated, can't really catch on the pick and roll, can't really finish on the pick and roll, etc. He has flipped that entirely, but even more than that, the assists. That's a whole other level of this thing where Not only is Bismack Biombo able to catch the ball on the roll and finish, which is something that he had struggled to do consistently during his time in the NBA before this, but he's making smart decisions and playmaking in those spots, which is honestly flabbergasting. I mean, this guy is almost 30 years old already. He's been in the NBA for quite a long time. He had ample opportunity to develop and show this type of skill set, and he hasn't, but I guess... The one thing he has not had is Chris Paul on his team and a system created by Monty Williams that just tends to make guys better. You know, we're no we're no strangers to that in Phoenix, right? I mean, we saw the effect that that uh, Steve Nash could have on people, right? I mean, less so big men because they just didn't really have to look for those with Amari Stoudemire there for most of that time, but where it might not have been a big, it was shooters. And in this case, the Suns already had the shooters, so what they've been you know, in search of has been more of the big men. And Chris Paul has made all of them look great. So 
Obviously, JaVale has had a career season in terms of, you know, box score production. But Biombo looks like a new man, a, a new player out there. And the five assists are just an example of it. But he's looked different ever since he got here. I mean, I think of that Celtics game, I believe it was, when he first was pressed into action. Or maybe it was actually the Hornets the next time that Martin Luther, or uh, New Year's weekend. Um, Biombo's looked like a different guy. And... I think part of that is Chris, but I think, like I said, the other major part of it is the system. And it's really time to shout that out. And what it maybe because the Suns played the Pacers, but what it really had me thinking about was Torrey Craig and the way in which Craig getting so many open threes, being being around better defensive talent really was able to lift him to one of the best stretches of his entire career. I mean, Torrey Craig was a proven commodity before he got to Phoenix, but last season when he got traded here, or when he, yeah, when he got traded here, new man, again, just like I'm saying about Biombo, making threes consistently, offensive rebounding like he never had before, finishing in transition, all this stuff that we had never really seen, and it's because of the talent and the system. And with Biombo, I would even probably lean more toward the system Yes, talent-wise, he's not having to do too much. He's always been an undersized center. So if you put him in a lineup where the team is relying too much on him to be you know, a defensive anchor or a rim roller or these types of things, maybe he's not going to be set up for success. But the players are, are the help there. But the system, to me, really is where it starts to take to a new level. And that's where the assists come into play because we know that this system is based on spreading the wealth, you know, moving the ball, sharing, making quick, quick, efficient decisions, all that stuff. So, you know, it could be easy to say five assists. Well, that's what happens when you play with the 0.5 offense and the Suns and this and that, but that's still another, it's a whole other issue to actually execute and do that. And so, yes, is Chris Paul the best bounce pass deliverer that there may be in the whole NBA? I mean, yeah, you're not going to catch me disagreeing there. So if you're on the roll and you get hit with a pass, it's going to be a lot easier for your hands to look better, for your awareness to look better when you're being spoon-fed by maybe the best point guard or pick-and-roll passer at the very least that maybe this game's ever seen in terms of hitting the roll man. But to execute that, it takes a lot of other elements. It takes consistent, smart ball uh, floor spacing. It takes, you know, the lifting above the three-point line that we see so many Sun shooters doing. It, it requires the off-ball screening for by shooters, for shooters, between Bridges and Booker, between Bridges and Crowder, between whoever it might be. It requires that stuff seamlessly flowing to where guys are just open so consistently. And it requires playing with good pace, with playing in that pick and roll in a fluid and smooth and and quick type of way where you are getting into the the screen really fast. Paul is coming downhill. He's hitting Biombo in stride. And then Biombo is not, you know, putting the ball on the floor or letting it get stripped or freezing and picking up his dribble. He is in one fluid motion, getting the ball out to a shooter and getting those easy threes. So the Suns were only 7 of 25 from deep in this game against Indiana, but their defense is pretty good. They are pretty long and swarming, even with some of their misses. So what you were seeing a lot of the time instead was 
Biombo was hitting cutters on occasion. He was hitting guys who were then attacking a closeout and maybe getting to the basket. Maybe he was benefiting from that hometown, that in-arena, in home-arena uh, assist tally. But at the very least, has to be shouted out. Five assists, career high for him, in addition to that scoring and rebounding and everything else. I don't know what his ultimate role in a playoff rotation is, but man, is he making things count with this stretch. I mean, we will never forget this January where Bismack Biombo suddenly became a huge difference maker for the Western Conference leading Phoenix Suns. Crazy, crazy season, magical season yet again, back to back for this team and Biombo just a small piece of it. But on that note, DeAndre Ayton still out with that right ankle sprain. That is where we will start talking about this matchup with Utah. First though, Bet Online would like to wish you all a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the NBA playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of your sports wagering action throughout 2022. With that new year comes a new updated desktop site, betonline.ag, and a mobile app. So download that app, go to the website, make an account, and when you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. From the last couple rounds of the football playoffs to the NBA stretch run and beyond, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout 2022 at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to make a bet. Bet Online, where the game starts. Utah on Sunday night fell on the road in Golden State, 94 to 92, just a, a very, very narrow loss. Donovan Mitchell out with the concussion protocol, so that will loom over Monday's game in Phoenix. Obviously, the rest situation will loom over the game. Now, Utah on a back-to-back after a loss against the two best teams in the NBA. I mean, that is very, very tough stuff for the for the Jazz, not having their best player potentially and having to deal with that just awful luck from a scheduling standpoint. So those are probably the two big bullet points that you have to mention. But as I said, heading into the break, DeAndre Ayton and his absence is, I think, the other obvious on the Suns' end. So what's always been impressive about Ayton when he plays Utah is that he rises to the occasion. So last season especially, I'm sure you guys will remember, it was very, very similar to this actually with this week where the Suns play Utah twice. It was like that, I think, last season as well, maybe in March or so, maybe early April. I can't quite remember. They also played the Clippers in that stretch, and it was kind of the last checkpoint that I remember watching with that team. And the reason they they, they checked the box and actually showed that you know that last thing was not even really much of a challenge for them is that Deion Drayton absolutely matched Rudy Gobert, if not beat, you know, played better than him. And I mean that when it comes to the rebounding and fighting and being physical on the glass, I mean that as it pertains to um, interior defense, pick and roll defense, all that stuff. So Aiden not being in the game leaves an obvious hole. So who fills that? Well, I think that McGee will continue to start. And I actually think that can work early. You know, McGee is a pretty solid pick and roll defender in that drop. And so you know, especially if Mitchell's out and not able to take the pull-up three that he's so accustomed to, you know, Mike Conley can get into that pull-up three, he can get to that pull-up mid-range as well, so it's not like I'm overlooking him, but especially if Mitchell's out, McGee can just hang out at the basket, take away a lot of what Gobert's going to try to do, and as long as the Suns can rotate and stay home on the shooters, 
I mean, it's easier said than done, but look, the, the Warriors just did it. The, the Utah Jazz are basically the best offense in the NBA from a stats standpoint. They can be controlled, though, especially without Mitchell. So that's sort of the, the basic blueprint is I think that McGee can do a lot. Now, in the minutes where Bismack Biombo is out there and Gobert is on the floor, maybe not quite as, as nice because Gobert has a massive size advantage against the smaller Biombo and a massive athleticism advantage. In addition to the fact that Biombo is really only effective in that drop, you start to have a lot more things working for you. So I would imagine that Utah will really go out to pick and roll with Biombo out there, take advantage of Aiton not playing, take advantage of McGee sitting. Maybe this is a game where McGee plays a little bit more than Biombo, or not more than Biombo, but at least a little bit more even. Whereas for the most part, recently, since Aiton's been out, McGee hasn't really crossed that 20 minutes and Biombo's been playing you know, 25 to 30. Maybe it's a little more even if McGee proves to be more effective against Gobert. Also though, secondary to that, the Jazz have some injuries or at least one big one in the front court themselves, which is Hassan Whiteside. Now, part of this is by choice. So Whiteside is out and the Jazz have been playing really small off the bench as a result of that. But that's also partially because Udoka Azubuki is not playing. He's the guy they drafted in the first round a couple years ago. He went to Kansas. You all remember him. He's not playing. So Eric Paschal is basically the backup center for Utah right now, which means that the, the, the matchups get even more wonky off the bench or in that front court situation than they already are for the Suns. So I don't really think the Suns have a great answer for that. They don't really have a small ball center right now with Dario Saric out and obviously Torrey Craig, who I just was talking about, not with the team anymore. They have no choice but to basically play Biombo. But you start to think if the Jazz can run some pick and pop, maybe Jordan Clarkson, Eric Paschal, Paschal can shoot it. So maybe they do that and that pulls Biombo away from the basket and then you're getting you know, to be where you're really rotating, you're really relying on help defense and, and that type of thing. So that could be a recipe for some problems. The Warriors are a little better equipped to handle that. So Pascal didn't have a great game on Sunday night, but I could see that being an issue as well. Last but not least, I think the main scoring option for Utah with Mitchell out becomes Bogdan Bogdanovich. And the Suns don't have an awesome answer for him. Typically, you maybe would say that, I mean, it's probably going to be Crowder. And as long as Crowder is out there and doing his thing, I think you feel pretty good. But, you know, can Cam Johnson handle that? Can Mikhail Bridges even handle that matchup, considering that Bogdanovich is such a physical player who can get you into the post and do that type of thing in addition to running around screens? Like, he is a pretty solid scorer. I mean, he's not much of a creator. He's not somebody who's going to ISO, but... He can finish plays. He can make those shots. He can post up. So, you know, you want to watch him. But obviously, if Mitchell doesn't play, if the Suns can overcome some of that stuff in the front court by just playing really hard and, you know, competing against Gobert, competing against Pascal, switching, surviving, just outsmarting the Jazz without, you know, without the talent, the Jazz are going to have to be creative. And if the Suns can just respond to that stuff and and manage it, I think they can still come out on top. But this is going to be the biggest test the Suns have faced in quite a long time. I mean, that's that's also true here. I mean, I'm trying to look back. It might just be the last, you know, Christmas Day against the Warriors that the Suns really faced a test like this. I mean, they played Miami, but that wasn't at full strength. They played Memphis on the 27th, so maybe you would say that. And then, and then obviously Golden State on 
Christmas, but it's been about a month and it's been a game. You've heard me talking about it on the podcast for a long time. I've had these games this Monday game and Wednesday when they play the Jazz again, circled for quite a long time. I'm very excited to see what we can learn about both of these teams and how they match up. So enjoy the game, guys. I will be in the building, hopefully, and uh, I'll be right here with you guys post game to wrap it all up. Talk to you then.